Sukacharya Asatara Sukhasri Srimadis Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Prabhupada Ki Jai Iskand Founder Acharya Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Nantakoti Vaishnava Vrinda Ki Jai Namacharya Srila Haridas Thakura Ki Jai Prem Sri Goshri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhupada Shri Adoyta Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai Shri Sri Radha Krishna Gopina Shri Kunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhan Ki Jai Vrindavan Dhamma Ki Jai Mathur Dhamma Ki Jai Navadri Mayapur Dhamma Ki Jai Jagannath Puri Dhamma Ki Jai Gandamaya Dhamma Devi Ki Jai Bhakti Devi Ki Jai Tarsi Maharani Ki Jai Samadeta Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Pramananda all glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Garanga. All glories to Shiva Prabhupada, Nama Om Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prasaya Bhutale, Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swami Niti Namane, Namaste Saraswati Deve, Gauravani Pachani, Nivasesis, Nivani Paskatya Desatani. Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Uta Padakamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Raganatam Vitam Stam Sajivam Sadvoitam Sadvadutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sagana Lalita Shri Vishakam Vitamscha Vantakapa Jukascha Kipas Nivyavata Pitanam Pavanivya Vaishnavam Om Nimo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So it is June 9th, 2021 in Hawaii over the internet reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 4, Chapter 26 King Karanjana goes to the forest to hunt and his queen becomes angry. Text 1 through 3. Narada Uvacha. Narada Uvacha. Saekada Maheshvaso. Saekada Maheshvaso. Ratam Panchasvam Ashugam. Ratam Panchasvam Ashugam. Dvisam Dvichakram. Dwi sam dwi chakram e kaksham. Dwi sam pancha banduram. I think we can just say the first verse there. Eka rashme kadamanam ekam nidam dwi kurbaram pancha praharanam sapta varunta pancha vikramam. Haimopakskaramarudya swarnavam varmakshayeshudi ekadasa chamunata panchapastam agadvanam Narada Uvacha. Narada Uvacha. Narada said. Narada said. Saha. Saha. King Puranjana. King Puranjana. Ekada. Once upon a time. Maha Ishvasaha, Maha Ishvasaha, carrying his strong bow and arrows, strong bow and arrows. Ratam, Ratam, chariot, Pancha Asvam, five horses, five horses. Asugam, Ashugam. 
going very swiftly. Dwi isham. Two arrows. Dwi chakram. Two wheels. Eka. One. Needham. Needham. Oh, well. Sitting place. Three. Two. So yours is different. Um, no. I'm seeing. Oh, you're jumping. Okay. All right, I'll do yours. It's, yours is so much smaller than mine. It's really hard to see. Um, Kubaram. Post to which the harnesses are fixed. Post to which the harnesses are fixed. Pancha. Five. Pradharanam. Weapons. Sapta. Seven. Varutam. Coverings or ingredients of the body. Pancha. Five. Vikramam. Processes. Haima. Golden. Upakaram. Ornaments. Aruja. Riding on. Swarna. Golden. Varma. Armor. Akshaya. Inexhaustible. Ishudhi. Quiver. Ekadasa. Eleven. Chamunetaha. Commanders. Pancha. Five. Prastam. Destinations. Objectives. Agat. Went. Vanam. To the forest. Srila Prabhupada's translation. The great sage Narada continued, My dear king, once upon a time, King Paranjana took up his great bow and equipped with golden armor and a quiver of unlimited arrows and accompanied by eleven commanders. He sat on his chariot, driven by five swift horses, and went to the forest named Panchaprastha. He took with him in that chariot two explosive arrows. The chariot itself was situated on two wheels and one revolving axle. On the chariot were three flags, one rein, one chariot driver, one sitting place, two poles to which the harness was fixed, five weapons, and seven coverings. The chariot moved in five different styles, and five obstacles lay before it. All the decorations of the chariot were made of gold. Okay, we're going to quiz everybody now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Very complicated, right? Imagine if someone just told you that and you didn't have it to read. All right, this is a long purport by Srila Prabhupada. 
These three verses explain how the material body of the living entity is under the control of the three qualities of material nature. One second. The body itself is the chariot and the living entity is the owner of the body as explained in Bhagavad Gita 2.13 Dehi no smin yata dehe The owner of the body is called the Dehi and he is situated within this body specifically within the heart. The living entity is driven by one chariot driver. The chariot itself is made of three gunas three qualities of material nature as confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 18.61 Yantra Rurani Mayaya The word Yantra means carriage the body is driven by material na- is given by material nature, and the driver of that body is Padmatma, the Supersoul. The living entity is seated within the chariot. This is the actual position. The living entity is always being influenced by the three qualities: sattva, goodness, rajas, passion, and tamas, ignorance. This is also confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 7:13, Tribir Guna Mayer Bhavai. The living entity is bewildered by the three qualities of material nature. These three qualities are described in this verse as three flags. By a flag, one can come to know who the owner of the chariot is. Similarly, by the influence of the three qualities of material nature, one can easily know the direction in which the chariot is moving. In other words, one who has eyes to see can understand how the body is being driven, influenced by the particular type of quality of material nature. In these three verses, the activity of the living entity is described to prove how the body becomes influenced by the quality of ignorance, even when a person wants to be religious. Narada Muni wanted to prove to King Prachinibarishat that the king was being influenced by the tamaguna, the quality of ignorance, even though the king was supposed to be very religious. According to Karmakandiya, the process of fruit of activities, a person performs various sacrifices directed by the Vedas and in all those sacrifices, animal killing or experimenting on the life of animals to test the power of Vedic mantras is enjoined. Animal killing is certainly conducted under the influence of the mode of ignorance. Even though one may be religiously inclined, animal sacrifice is recommended in the Shastras, not only in the Vedas, but even in the modern scriptures of other sects. These animal sacrifices are recommended in the name of religion, but actually animal sacrifice is meant for persons in the mode of ignorance. When such people kill animals, they can at least do so in the name of religion. However, when the religious system is transcendental, like the Vaishnava religion, there is no place for animal sacrifices. Such a transcendental religious system is recommended by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita 1866. Sarva dharma prachajama may come saranam vrajaham from sarva papabhyo mokshi shami manasutra. Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions, do not fear. Because King Prachinibarishat was engaged in performing various sacrifices in which animals were killed, Narayan Muni pointed out that such sacrifices are influenced by the mode of ignorance. From the very beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam 112, it is said, All kinds of religious systems that are involved in cheating are completely kicked out of Srimad Bhagavatam. In the Bhagavad Dharma, the religion dealing with one's relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, animal sacrifice is not recommended. In the performance of Sankirtan Yagya, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare, there is no recommendation for animal sacrifices. 
In these three verses, King Paranjan is going to the forest to kill animals is symbolic of the living entities being driven by the mode of ignorance and thus engaging in different activities for sense gratification. The material body itself indicates that the living entity is already influenced by the three modes of material nature and that he is driven to enjoy material resources. When the body is influenced by the mode of ignorance, its infection becomes very acute. When it is influenced by the mode of passion, the infection is at the symptomatic stage. However, when the body is influenced by the mode of goodness, the materialistic infection becomes purified. The ritualistic ceremonies recommended in religious systems are certainly on the platform of goodness, but because within this material world, even the mode of goodness is sometimes polluted by the other qualities, namely passion and ignorance, a man in goodness is sometimes driven by the influence of ignorance. That's pretty important. Let's read that again. Because within this material world, even the mode of goodness is sometimes polluted by the other qualities, namely passion and ignorance. A man in goodness is sometimes driven by the influence of ignorance. It is therefore described that King Puranjana once went to the forest to kill animals. This means that he, the living entity, came under the influence of the mode of ignorance. The forest in which King Puranjana engaged in hunting was named Panchaprastha. The word Pancha means five, and this indicates the objects of the five senses. The body has five working senses, namely the hands, the legs, the tongue, the rectum, and the genitals. By taking full advantage of these working senses, the body enjoys material life. The chariot is driven by five horses, which represent the five sense organs, namely the eyes, ears, nose, skin, and tongue. These five sense organs are very easily attracted by the sense objects. Consequently, the horses are described as moving swiftly. When the chariot king Purunjana kept two explosive weapons which may be compared to ahankara or false ego. This false ego is typified by two attitudes. I am this body, ahanta, and everything in my bodily relationships belongs to me, mamata. The two wheels of the chariot may be compared to the two moving facilities, namely sinful life and religious life. The chariot is decorated with three flags which represent the three modes of material nature. The five kinds of obstacles or uneven roads represent the five kinds of air passing within the body. These are prana, apana, udana, samana, and vyana. The body itself is covered by seven coverings, namely skin, muscle, fat, blood, marrow, bone, and semen. By the way, this is all uh, Ayurveda stuff. Those are called the five dhatus in Ayurveda. The living entity is covered by three subtle material elements and five gross material elements. These are actually obstacles placed before the living entity on the path of liberation from material bondage. So all the aspects of our gross and subtle body are all obstacles to self-realization. Going on, the word Rashmi or rope in this verse indicates the mind. The word Nida is also significant for Nida indicates the nest where a bird takes rest. In this case, Nida is the heart where the living entity is situated. The living entity sits in one place only. The causes of his bondage are two, namely lamentation and illusion. In material existence, the living entity simply hankers to get something he can never get. Therefore, he is an illusion. As a result of being in this illusory situation, the living entity is always lamenting. Thus, lamentation and illusion are described herein as dui kubara, the two posts of bondage. The living entity carries out various desires through five different processes, which indicate the working of the five working senses. The golden ornaments and dress indicate that the living entity is influenced by the quality of rajaguna, passion. One who has a good deal of money or riches is especially driven by the mode of passion. 
being influenced by the mode of passion, one desires so many things for enjoyment in this material world. The eleven commanders represent the ten senses and the mind. The mind is always making plans with the ten commanders to enjoy the material world. The forest named Panchaprastha, where the king went to hunt, is the forest of the five sense objects, form, taste, sound, smell, and touch. Thus, in these three verses, Narada Muni describes the position of the material body and the engagement of the living entity within it. Translation again. The great sage Narada continued, My dear king, once upon a time, King Puranjana took up his great bow and equipped with golden armor and a quiver of unlimited arrows and accompanied by eleven commanders, he sat on his chariot, driven by five swift horses, and went to the forest named Panchaprasta. He took with him in that chariot two explosive arrows. The chariot itself was situated on two wheels and one revolving axle. On the chariot were three flags, one main, one chariot driver, one sitting place, two poles to which the harness was fixed, five weapons, and seven coverings. The chariot moved in five different styles, and five obstacles lay before it. All the decorations of the chariot were made of gold. So there is enough information in this verse and this purport, probably for a 30-hour um, college-level course. And in fact, uh, in the universities, when people study the nature of the world, uh, they're studying the relationship between the self. I, I took a, a course actually at the, at the graduate level on the philosophy of research, philosophy of science. And we looked at things like this. What is the self? What is the body? What is the senses? What is the sense objects? What is the relationship between them? Uh, so this is <laughs> a very detailed description of reality. A lot of this information, as I said, is included in Ayurveda. A lot of it is included in Sankhya Yoga. And... It's very difficult when you take a, a verse in purport like this to say, you know, <laughs> what, what are we going to focus on, you know, for half an hour? What are, and so I decided that I was going to focus on Narada Muni's focus. So Narada Muni's focus here is that although uh, King Prajini Barishat is a very religious person, he is overcome by the mode of ignorance. And that it is possible to be a religious person, it's possible to be in a religious process, but be doing it in the mode of ignorance. And I really like here where Srila Prabhupada talks about how the three modes are the flags on the chariot. And when you look at the flag of a chariot, you can tell who, who's running it. How does he put this? Um, you know who the owner of the chariot is. By a flag, one can come to know who the owner of the chariot is. So, of course, the owner here is the pure soul. But when we're influenced by the mode of ignorance, ignorance owns us. Right? And you think about, you know, today we don't have chariots. <laughs> and in our cars, well, we have license plates. So you can see by the license plate, you know, what state what state it belongs to. <laughs> I remember once uh, taking our Gurukul children to a big festival, and on the way we were stuck in a traffic jam, and so the kids were looking at all the license plates. You know, oh, there's a car from Indiana, oh, there's one from Wyoming, and then one of the kids said, there's one from Mercury, which was the name of a car. <laughs> the car was named Mercury, and we were all laughing. 
So, you know, we have that on the cars. And then, of course, uh, airplanes. They have the name of the airplane on it, you know, South African Air, and Air France, right, American Airlines. And then you have boats. So boats particularly fly flags to show what country they're from. Of course, many times it's not entirely accurate. Like I read about how the cruise ships, they fly a flag of a country where they don't have to pay taxes. So even if the cruise ship actually comes from another country, they officially affiliate themselves with a different country for some financial reasons. But the idea is that the flag you're flying shows what country you belong to. Or, or you know, there's, there is deception. Like pirate ships also, they ostensibly fly the flag of a country, and then they, when they're ready to attack, they take it down and they put up the skull and crossbones. Oh, we're actually pirates. There are still pirates in the world. Yeah, so, and Prabhupada is, is explaining, it's quite interesting when he talks about the flag here, and he says that similarly, by the influence of the three qualities of material nature, one can easily know the direction in which the chariot is moving. In other words, one who has eyes to see can understand how the body is being driven, influenced by the particular type of quality of material nature. So, we, like in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is giving so many descriptions of the different, of sattva, rajas, and tamas, and the different uh, elements that are associated with them. So there's food in the three gunas, there's charity in the three gunas, there's worship in the three gunas, and you could use this list given by the Lord to look at someone and see what flag are they flying, you know, and therefore you know where they're going. You know that if someone's influenced mostly by ignorance, they're going to ignorance, and they're influenced mostly by passion, they're going to a passionate problem. And Krishna talks about the destination, right? In goodness, you're going to go to the higher planets in the next life, or, as Prabhupada said, you'll take birth on earth as a scientist, a philosopher, a poet. If you're in Rajagun, you're going to take birth as a human being. If you're really, really in Rajagun, you'll be a very rich and powerful human beings, Prabhupada talks about at the end of this purport. Rajagun is a lot of money and power. And if you're in Tamagun, uh, you may be a human being in a very wretched uh, situation, you know, in, born into poverty and war and uh, drug families that are taking drugs and criminals. Or you may even be born as an animal, or you may be born in a lower planet in one of the demoniac species. So we know where we're going, and we even know where we're going in this life. You know, if our chariot's being driven by sattva, we're going to be happy. If our chariot's being driven by rajas, then we're going to have this uh, lamentation and illusion, as Prabhupada talks about in this purport. If we're, uh, our chariot's driven by ignorance, then it's just all misery. <laughs> in passion, there's, there's a little mixture. So then we think, all right, well, let me get out of these gunas, and let me be in religion. Let me be in, in bhakti yoga. That will be the solution. I, I won't have these three flags. I won't have the sattva, rajas, or tamas flag. I'll just have the, the god flag. <laughs> I'll just be, be take up religion. I, but there's, there's a little consideration here. And that is that one can take up religion and still be under the influence of the modes. One can take up religion and still be under the influence of the modes. One can take up religion with the mood of the modes. So if you want to keep your, your Tamagun, or you want to keep your Rajagun, or you want to keep your Sattvagun, 
and you want to take up religion, then you end up having a contaminated religion. Right, which Prabhupada mentions, Kaitavatra, uh, that the Bhagavatam is, is throwing out all of these contaminated religious systems. That it, 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 you know, bhakti doesn't get contaminated, but when I'm doing bhakti in a contaminated way, what comes out is contaminated. So we're going to look at this religion in ignorance, religion in tamagun. And, of course, Lord Kapiladev in 329.8 describes religion in Tamagun. And it describes it as being proud of one pers- one's personality. Prabhupada comments, one thinks that one is the best devotee. Now, of course, it can be very subtle that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of an attitude. And I've certainly seen this sort of pride over and over again in my own mentality. You know, that I'm better than everybody else. Whatever, you know, my devotion is better, my understanding is better, my practice is better, you know, something is better. That it's so easy to just look at everybody and see their faults and think, well, I'm not like that. I'm better than that. Right? To be be full of this tendency to find fault with others and to try to glorify oneself. Of course, the opposite can also be tamagun. If one is always, I'm so bad, I'm so terrible, you know, which is just depression and self-hatred is not humility. That's also another kind of tamagun. So it's still this absorption in the false self. But the bhakti done in ignorance also involves a lot of envy of others. That... You know, we, we hate others for having something we don't have. We hate others for having more power than we have. And I, I see this quite a lot on, on social media with, with devotees who criticize ISKCON leadership. You know, there's a lot of envy there. I mean, it's not that every ISKCON leader has not done anything wrong ever, but there's a lot of, of envy there. It's basically, you know, I wish I was the leader, <laughs> I wish I had the power. <laughs> You know, why I, I would know what to do better with the power. And, you know, telling the leaders what they should do. Of course, ultimately we're envious of God. And we want to tell God what he should do. You know, I find myself doing this all the time. Anytime that we, that we pray to Krishna, we talk to Krishna and say, you know, Krishna, I want this, I don't want that, I want this person to have this. We're telling him what to do. We're saying, you know, I don't think you're managing the universe very well. And if you really manage things well, you'd be doing it this way or that way or the other way, that we're trying to take over his position. Right? And we're envious of others' advancement. If somebody is spiritually advanced, if somebody is peaceful, we become envious. We become, why are they advanced? You know, I've been practicing Krishna consciousness 10 years more than them. How is it that they're so advanced? Right? And so when one of my god brothers is visiting here and he's so glowing and happy and just exuberant he does practically full time book distribution now for decades and you know it's just why is he happy <laughs> why, why aren't I glowing and, and happy and exuberant why is he happy <laughs> well, so there's this tendency that we hate other people's spiritual advancement so you know we can be envious of their money why does this person have more money than I have? Why is this person more beautiful than I am? 
Why does this person have more power than I have? Why does this person have more spiritual advancement than I have? You know, anything. We're just... And you see this people doing... Uh, they're doing religion or they're doing bhakti, but they're in the mode of ignorance and they're, they're constantly critical of others, constantly putting others down, constantly saying that they know better than others. And uh, it's, it's really unpalatable. <laughs> and uh, Srila Prabhupada says that a devotee is someone in his purport to 329A. He says, a devotee has taken the Supreme Personality of God as the ultimate goal of life, but if they're influenced by Tamaguna, we should respect them but not keep company with them. So this is also a very important thing to, to keep in mind that if we see somebody doing bhakti in the mode of ignorance, we should not be critical of them. <laughs> Otherwise, then we're also in the mode of ignorance. We don't want to be critical of the critics or critical of the critics of the critics. <laughs> we respect them. Here's a Vaishnava. Here's somebody who's taken the Supreme Personality of Godhead as the ultimate goal of life. But we don't want to become their intimate associates and therefore will become contaminated by this Tamagun. And what happens here, and this is extremely important, is we end up with weeds that look like bhakti. This is a very important point Rupa Goswami makes in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, that we can think the weeds are bhakti. That's really what anartas are. Anartas are, artas, they're, they're nasty things that look like nice things. It's something that we <coughs> that we hold as dear to us that isn't actually dear. And you'll see this, you'll see people being very critical, very envious, very proud, and thinking that it's it's wonderful. And if you say to them, if you try to say to them, you know, well this this actually isn't very Vaishnava behavior, they become very angry. You know, they'll tell you that they're defending children or women or something like that. They're defending righteousness. And, and so they, they see it as something religious. Now, here we're looking specifically at meat-eating. Now, it's interesting, Paranjana going out to hunt will be associated later with women hunting. And I don't want to get into this today, but just to simply say that I find it very interesting, this analogy of killing animals is compared to exploiting women. Obviously, women exploit men as well, but that killing animals has some relationship to sexual exploitation, to exploiting, to exploiting someone else for one's sexual enjoyment, seeing someone as an object. So in meat-eating, in order to be a meat-eater, one has to see the animal as an object. One cannot have empathy with the animal. Yes, even those who are really deeply, evilly sadistic, like Magrari the hunter, who enjoy seeing the animal suffer in pain or enjoy seeing another human suffer, you know, really deep envy and, and deep evil, don't really understand that the other living entity is a person, is, is a soul. You know, it's... They just see it as an object. And the object is doing, you know, making funny noises and writhing around and 
oh, isn't that funny? I probably gave the example of uh, seeing somebody butchering chickens and laughing at the chickens running around after their heads have been cut off. So, you know, people who are enjoy actively enjoying other suffering, they they see it as some kind of like a toy. You know, like if you had a toy that you wound it up and it jumped around and it made funny noises and so you. Well, please don't hurt me! Please don't hurt me! Ah ha ha ha! Look at that! Look at that! You know, so this this mode of ignorance it makes us so we we think that we're almost the only living being. We think that everyone else and everything else is it's, it's just an object for us to enjoy. Which Prabhupada talks about this in the purport. We we just see that everything is here for my exploitation. So one might ask then. Why, as Prabhupada says here, is meat eating included in religious sacrifices? So, if we're going to talk about sacrifices, and I bring this up a lot, the Prabhupada uses the word, the English word sacrifice, as uh, is his translation of yagya. And yagya technically means some sort of ceremony to connect with the divine, some way in which we can establish a connection with the divine. That's, that's actually the meaning of yagya, some kind of, of ritual, some kind of formula that's a connection. And I often give the, the analogy of if I want to call someone, so just like after this class today, I have a phone call with my son. So in order to talk to him, I have to have a phone, right? And he has to have a phone. And my phone has to be charged, right? It has to have a charge. And it has to be connected to the phone system or the internet. It has to have some kind of a connection. So it has to have an electrical charge. It has to have a connection. Then I have to know his number. So when I when I go to my phone thing, I have to know you know what number to punch in. And then it has to be at a time when he's able to answer the phone. You know, in the in the old days, you just called people <laughs> randomly. You know, you didn't uh, you didn't necessarily arrange a phone call because you would have had to call to arrange a phone call. If you were to arrange a phone call by mail, it would take a long time. I mean, we, we used to do that for India. When when we would call our oldest son in India when he was in the Gurukula, we'd first send a letter uh, by snail mail to arrange what date and time we were going to call so he would be by the phone. So anyway, there has to be a time when the person can answer the phone. So nowadays we, nowadays we usually set up a phone call over text or email or something, and we're going to call you at this particular time, right? Well, at least it has to be when they're not sleeping. You know, I, I, I've had a number of times when people I don't know uh, will call me over social media at, at 1 or 2 in the morning, my time. <laughs> So if you want to connect with someone, you have to you have to have the right machine. You have to have the right number. It's a whole formula, right? You have to have the right time. You have to have the right machine. Everything has to be connected. And there's a lot of ways to connect with people. Just like I can connect with somebody by physically visiting their home, by calling them on the phone, by texting them. I mean, I have, by writing them a snail mail letter. I have so many different ways of connecting with people. So also in the scriptures, there's so many different rituals to connect with the Lord, or sometimes with the demigods. And you know, you have, and some of these are very particular about time and place. Just like you know, I don't want somebody phoning me at one in the morning just to say hello. So you have some particularities. If they're not done at the right time, they won't work. If they're not done at the right place, they don't work. And you have to prepare yourself. I mean, this is even true if I want to call somebody. 
you know, if I want to call someone on the phone, I don't want to call them 